I'm Allie of Hocus Pocus Collector. And I'm Will of Spooky Will. And we are the Black Flame Society. We're here to share Halloween, Hocus Pocus, and other spooky news and updates with you. While having fun, meeting friends, and making every day feel like it's Halloween. So come on in and join the society. On today's episode of the Black Flame Society, join us for an interview with Doug Jones, the one and only Billy Butcherson. Doug was kind enough to take time out of his very busy schedule to come talk with us about all things Hocus Pocus, a bunch of his other projects, his favorite memories from filming Hocus Pocus and the sequel, Hocus Pocus 2, and a bunch more. So join us as we sit down with the iconic Doug Jones. Doug, thank you so much for joining us today. It is an honor to have the one and only Billy Butcherson on the Black Flame Society. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. You you kids, you. And uh, <laughs> one and only Billy Butcherson, I guess. Well, on film anyway, there have been thousands cosplaying, you know. I'm tagged in so many pictures uh, on the social medias this time of year, and I love it. But you are the best, Doug. <laughs> wow, I don't want to die. I can't say that. You, you can say that. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we will. Will, do you want to kick us off here? Yeah, yeah, of course. So when we interviewed Tony Gardner, he actually told us about how he first discovered you on a McDonald's commercial dressed as the moon, which me and Ali actually found the video and thought it was it was brilliant. Could you tell us a little bit about what it was like when you were first approached after Tony had seen you and basically presented you with the role of Billy? Getting the role of Billy Butcherson kind of came from two angles. One was I had a manager at the time, a talent manager who was friendly with casting director Greg Smith and director Kenny Ortega. So that audition was arranged through them all knowing each other. The audition was all set up, but then the design of Billy Butcherson was being done by Tony Gardner and his team at Altarian Studios on a life cast of me without my knowing about it. He had (laughs) borrowed that life cast from Steve Neal, who had been the creator of the prosthetics I wore in the Moonhead commercials, the Mac Tonight commercials for McDonald's. So Tony was aware that I was the one who had played the Moonhead guy and asked Steve for that life cast so he could sculpt and ha- have Billy Butcherson, like a, a prototype of Billy, uh, sculpted on me that he could show director Kenny Ortega. So all this was happening simultaneously. So as soon as my audition was done, he was presented with that life cast sculpture of Billy, loved it, and Tony Gardner said, well, you know, that happens to be on an actor named Doug Jones. And he goes, oh my gosh, well, I just auditioned Doug. We, we loved him. So that was kind of a bing, but a bang. It came from both angles. and That was a big help in landing the role. And do you have a favorite memory from filming or a story from filming the original Hocus Pocus? What was your favorite thing that you think of when you look back on it? Oh, golly. Well, uh, as far as favorite memories go, the, the entire production, it was early in my career. So I was just tickled pink to be working on such a huge Disney production anyway. But the, the thing that kicked it into hyper, oh my gosh was working with the Divine Miss M, Bette Midler. I'd been a big fan of hers for years anyway with her recording career. I'd heard her on the radio all the time, seen her concert footage. She did a live show that was unlike anyone else you've ever seen on stage before. And then her string of successful Disney Touchstone movies with, you know, Down and Out in Beverly Hills and Outrageous Fortune, Big Business, Ruthless People. Beaches had just come out before this. So it was like, oh my gosh, that's Bette freaking Midler. <laughs> and I'm playing her ex-boyfriend from 300 years before like what so my first night on set this this is like kind of like a, a very satisfying happy memory on my way to work it was a night shoot we were doing the first night 
it was a scene that we, that was actually cut out of the film. It was in a park where the witches and Billy were reconnoitering after I was after I came up out of my grave and after I chased the kids unsuccessfully for my first try. We meet in a park later, and she and Bet has words with me. She gets in my face and starts yelling at me, and then Sarah's there going hi Billy, and so I end up stroking her hair. There's a clip <laughs> of that scene in one of the first early trailers for Hocus Pocus that you might see where Winifred says, "What a stench." If you remember seeing a trailer, that little moment was from that scene that was cut out of the movie. Anyway, that was my first night of work with anyone on the film. On my way to work, it's a night shoot. We're filming outdoors at night. And I hear, from a distance, on the radio. It's like, oh, that's Bette Midler. It's one of her big hit songs. <laughs> She's huge. I, then I meet her. And it's like, oh, my gosh. There she is right in front. I'm, I'm this far from her face, right? And she has her eyebrows you know, obliterated and buck teeth in and tiny little lips painted on, a huge red wig. I got the giggles because she looked so silly, but it was Bette frickin' Midler, so I was, like, so excited. It was like, ah! And then <laughs> on the way home from that, I hear, you are the wind beneath my wings on the radio. <laughs> so oh my it's gosh. like, this woman is huge! <laughs> and I'm her boyfriend! Well, ex, but you know, you know what I'm saying, yeah. And then you had to look at her and call her a wench straight to her face. I mean, how'd <laughs> I that did, go? I did. Yeah, the, the happy memories are plentiful. Another one was later when we were filming the party scene where she gets up on stage with her sisters and sings, I put a spell on you. Getting to witness that live and in person was like... And then on top of that, between camera setups is when we were having a quick little conversation, Bet and I. She told me that she thought I was doing a great job with Billy and was very funny. And I thought to myself... Wouldn't this be a great time for a light to fall on my head and just die? Because <laughs> I would go out happy. <laughs> you know? What else do I need? This is it. But Bette Midler thinks I'm funny. Done. Yeah. Check. <laughs> Sticking with Hocus Pocus 1, Doug, do you have a favorite scene from the movie after you actually, like, when you watch the movie, even if you're not in it, what's your favorite scene from the flick? Oh, my, my favorite scene is going to be when... I've gone missing for a while uh, after the party scene, and the kids end up back at the cemetery. The witches have followed them there, and Omri Katz, played Max, backs into me, and I, that's why I, I show up surprised again. We don't know yet that I'm one of the good guys. We, we still think that I'm doing uh, evil work for, for Winifred. <laughs> so I grab Omri to shut him up, and I grab his knife from him because he's been swinging at me, and I, it looks like I'm gonna about to cut him, but I end up cutting my own stitches out, <laughs> cough out the dust and the moths, which was quite a setup. I've talked about many a time before with actual live moths. This is before CG is what it is. And getting to spit out a line that I wrote myself for that moment. The original script had me just saying one word that starts with a B and rhymes with which, uh, yelling at Winifred. And I thought to myself, you know, a kid's film, Disney, I'd rather this be a more family-friendly moment that actually helps Billy expel 300 years of pent-up anger and resentment towards this hideous woman right so so that's where the line came out that i was able to do on the spot that kenny ortega our director loved was wench trollop you bucktooth mop riding firefly from hell and then i look at, at max and say i've waited centuries to say that uh and uh, and then and he was able to ad lib back with a you know say whatever you want billy just don't breathe on me you know that all came about unscripted that night so i'm really proud and happy that that stayed in the film and has become quotable very quotable and an incredible scene between you two. <laughs> You've had so many projects over the years, but in terms of Hocus Pocus, where would you say it falls on your list of favourite to least favourite projects you've ever worked on? 
I get asked all the time about favorites and it's really hard to pick, you know, the one because, you know, with a 36 year career, you don't want to be like, uh, you don't want to obliterate the rest of what you've done by, by saying, this is my only thing I've ever mattered to me. But a handful of favorites tend to come at me, whether it was a satisfying part that I was able to play in a story that I loved helping tell and also what helps make that of a favorite would be how it was received by an audience and how long of a shelf life it's had and how how it resonates with people's lives out there and, and how it's marked moments in their life and I get to hear about it later. Hocus Pocus has been that film where I've been a part of people's lives and celebrations and families and stories. So hearing about that when I, you know, or, or even someone in the family who's passed away and, and it makes you, and I hear from a fan that like, you know, we shared this movie every year with my mother or my dad and they're gone now. And so every time I see the movie, it reminds me of them and our good times together. It's like, what a great honor to be a part of someone's life like that. So Hocus Pocus has been that for me for sure. At what moment did you, so when Hocus Pocus came out, it unfortunately kind of was a flop. At what moment did you realize that it had shifted from a flop to such a huge success? And what do you think made it such a well-loved and timeless classic? Oh, flop is such a harsh word, isn't it? It is. It's a rough word. <laughs> I guess it, worldwide at box office, it ended up making its money back, I think. I think it did, it did okay. It wasn't what was anticipated, right? So it was later, I think... When it started airing on television so much, ABC ran it as a Sunday night special movie, you know, maybe a year later, a couple years later. And then, then ABC Family Channel, which is now Freeform Channel, started airing it in October for the entire month of October. And that's when I started thinking, like, it wouldn't be airing this much if it wasn't asked for and if it wasn't being viewed. If viewers weren't there, they wouldn't re-air it this much. So I'm thinking, and this is before social media, so I didn't have at my fingertips people's responses and reactions, right? So I was just kind of guessing off of the airplay that I saw it getting. And then uh, doing the convention scene myself. I started doing fan conventions out there in like 2006 or seven after my Hellboy movies, first movie had come out. And my Billy Butcherson pictures, you know, on my table, you know, there's a, a, an eight by 10 of anything I've ever played. And people would look at that and go, oh, wait, that looks familiar. What's that? Um, I'd say, oh, that's from Hocus Pocus. I would, oh, right. And then they would go look at something else. So that, that, that's how it started. Over the years, I have noticed Billy Butcherson getting way more attention and way more attention to the point where now he is the number one picture that gets chosen and signed at my table at conventions. So that, you know, you just notice those little markers. And now with social media blowing up and, you know, and seeing again, seeing cosplayers and Halloween parties and viewing parties, you know, viewing parties were happening for Hocus Pocus 1. And now with Hocus Pocus 2, the viewing parties and getting tagged in videos and photos of people getting together to, to celebrate this new movie, you can't help but notice that it's become a humongous phenomenon. Entirely. And speaking of Hocus Pocus 2, Will, do you want to move on to the Hocus Pocus 2 question? You've mentioned over the years quite a few times that you would have liked to have seen a sequel. Was there any moments before that you thought it was going to happen? Or was there any hints previously where you thought they're looking into this now and, and you were kind of getting excited for a potential second one? Yeah, well, yes. I was contacted about nine years ago by someone at, at Disney Studios or created that. And it might have been a D23 event that was at the Burbank Studio, Walt Disney Filming Studios, to have a 20th anniversary screening that had a very select fan base invitation list. We did two screenings in one day. And they brought back me, Vanessa Shaw, Omri Katz, 
and uh, Thora Birch and Kathy and Jimmy showed up as well. And then we also had some, you know, Tony Gardner, my makeup artist, and David Kirshner, our writer, producer, and some, some other creative from the movie. So it created a, a lovely big panel for a Q&A after the screenings, these fans. And we, then we also had fan interaction time on the courtyard in, outside. Uh, first of all, that was a very emotional day, celebrating 20 years of this movie and seeing these fans. We, we got cried on a lot that day during the meet and greet of people, you know, again, cosplaying and coming up and hugging on you and wanting a picture with you because oh my gosh this is my childhood in real life now it's ah that was very sweet to me but it was that day that david kirshner and tony gardner both were to, had a quiet chat with me saying that they've been kind of collaborating with a pitch with a new idea for a sequel to pitch to disney and i guess tony was involved because they, they actually rolled my life-size billy butcherson mannequin into the office. It was going all past all the cubicles, you know. <laughs> uh, and everybody in the office going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it's Billy! To go pitch uh, in a conference room somewhere. Here's the idea we'd like to, you know, start talking about a, a Hocus Pocus 2. So I started hearing about it nine years ago from an official voice. Since then, a lot of unofficial voices and fans and, you know, hey, they're making a sequel and here's a poster for it, you know, which was like, hey, a fan with really good Photoshop skills made that <laughs> and it got the internet excited. And then people started asking me, like, you know, are you going to be in this new sequel? I was like, well, that's, that's not the sequel that not yet not, not, i don't know what's happened what that is but that, so it's been uh, a lot of ups and downs and and uh, is it going to happen is it going to happen over the last nine years so finally when i got the phone call from ralph winter one of our original producers from the first movie and the second movie uh, when he called me and said game on there's a script there's dates on the calendar and the three ladies are back. They're contracted and it's done. That's when you know, okay, this is happening. When Bette Miller, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy and Jimmy have been contracted and signed on the dotted line, it's happening. So that's that was a very exciting phone call to get, to know that I was included in that and that I got to play with these with them all over again in a new adventure with some new kids and, and keep the legacy going. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so exciting. And so after you got that call and you actually got to set the first day and the whole time you were there, just reuniting with the three of them and some of the original crew members, just tell us a little bit about what it was like to step back in and bring Billy back to life again. The big difference I noticed was from Hocus Pocus 1 to Hocus Pocus 2 was how I was received walking on the set. You know, in the first movie, it's like, oh, look, there's a fun zombie. Hey, okay. In the second movie, it's like, <gasps> Billy Butcherson is here. You know? <laughs> As it should be. <laughs> right. Because, uh, you know, our, our crew members on the second movie were kids when the first movie came out and have grown up with the movie and had, it's been a part of their Halloween celebration every year. And now they're working on the film with, you know, the, the three witches and me right in front of them, live and in person. I can't imagine what that would have been. That would be like me getting to work on a Wizard of Oz sequel and getting to work with Ray Bolger as the Scarecrow again, uh, you know, having him come back and me being like, can I get you a coffee, Mr. Bolger? I would have, I would have like wet myself. Yeah. So I totally... <laughs> When you returned to playing Billy, was there anything you found easier or harder? Well, yeah, you know, because you think 29 years had passed, uh, you know, are, are there parts of the character that I might have forgotten or do I have to revisit? Do I have to watch, study the first movie again? Not really. It all, he came back immediately and it was like an old friend had just opened the door going, I'm here. I'm like, oh, I just wanted to hug Billy and say, it's good to see you again. That's what I felt like during this entire production, you know, watching the makeup go back on again and my original wig. Now, the, the makeup was, the original molds had been destroyed 
destroyed from the first movie. The original costume, of course, was threadbare and wouldn't wouldn't have sustained a, another movie shoot. And there was only one. They had to have multiple copies of your costume for various reasons. Our uh, costume designer, Sal, recreated my costume like mwah, with perfection. And also Tony Gardner and the team at Alterian Studios recreated my prosthetic skin and hands to, to perfection with the same exact sculpture, the same exact bone structure, the same exact wrinkles, the coloration too. Perfect, perfect. And the wig was the one piece that actually came off of that mannequin that had been in David Kirshner's home office all these years and was put back onto my head. It barely needed a tease. You know, it was ready to go. And then after the movie was done, it went back off my head and back onto his mannequin in his home office. When you look at yourself in the mirror after this preparation and you go, oh my gosh, that's that's Billy. And I haven't changed a minute since the last 29 years. It, that was an easy visual to help inform, oh yeah, no, Billy's back. And wh- while we're here uh, talking about this, I've been asked a lot on the social medias about the voice as though it's something completely different now. Like, why is the voice different? I'm like, man, listen again. And I think that you'll, you'll see that the voice is the same. You just heard a lot more of it this time. In the first movie, I had, I think, four lines. And so if you listen to them back to back, it is the same voice carried through. I just think we all forgot that, that Billy had a gravelly, Britishy, Cockney kind of voice. In the first movie, maybe the lines weren't didn't lend themselves to detect the accent quite as much. When I did say, Winch, troll up, you bucktooth, mop riding firefly from hell! That, and then I guiding Danny into my grave, you'll be safe in here. And then I said, all right, in we go! That's the same voice that comes out at the in the new movie saying, Who are you? And uh, <laughs> I just want to know why you were digging up my grave. Right? Uh, is, if that's not the same <laughs> voice, then I don't know what is, right? <laughs> I think it was, as you said, Doug, you just had the opportunity. Billy was seen a lot more this time. Billy had a lot more lines, which we are all very grateful for. So I think that was where the confusion came from. But personally, you killed it. You know that. You were the best no, part. We're, well, I don't we know just, that, but thank you. Well, we're going to tell you here that you were <laughs> the best part. <laughs> And so what was your favorite scene in Hocus Pocus 2 after sitting down and watching it? If you were in it, if you weren't, when you sat down and watched the full completed film, what did it for you? For me, uh, honestly, my my introduction scene again, uh, coming up out of the grave, almost the same exact way as I did in the first movie. It was it was so nostalgic, and to hear watching the movie for the first time at the premiere, to hear in the audience a ripple of applause and like yay when when that wake up scene happened, it was like oh, I hope that's the response at home too, as everybody has their little viewing parties at home. That's really really very sweet that Billy's being welcomed back in such a way, and then getting to look around like oh, not again, you know. <laughs> I thought, I thought we'd done this before. But also, all my scenes with Sam Richardson, you know, playing with him, he played uh, Gilbert, of course, in the movie. And, you know, with him, I think it, he was so funny and so fun to play with that when he pops my head off and runs off with it, it's like, of course, we had to have Billy lose his body parts again. That's a, it's a constant. He's strung together with dust, so of course he falls apart. <laughs> uh, even the handshake, when we finally make a deal, like, yes, I'll join you on this little venture, and we shake hands and it comes off in his hand. Like, oh, uh, sorry, thank that was kind of a fun, I'm glad that played out as it did, because we had a an artificial Billy hand that with a, with a little post on it that I was holding inside my sleeve, you know, way down here. So when I lifted my hand to shake Sam Richardson's hand, or Gilbert's hand, he took the fake hand, we shook, it came off in his hand, and I went, oh, so now I'm hiding, my hand goes out of frame. I then push my hand out of the sleeve, I grab the fake hand with my left hand, take it out of frame, and then I drop it onto the ground, 
and then my real hand is back up now going, ah, there we are, right as rain. So it was. It took a little bit of rehearsal, but we got it. I think we got it. It played, so I was like, oh, that worked. Oh, yay. <laughs> Something so simple. <laughs> and speaking of that scene, Doug, so something that kind of bothered Will and I about Hocus Pocus 2 was the fact that poor Billy, allegedly, <laughs> has just been laying two inches underneath the dirt for 29 years awake. Right. Well, yeah, what, that, what was he that, up to all that time? Was he just seemed... laying there thinking about that night? I mean, poor guy. I wasn't sure about it myself. Uh, so, because at the end of the first movie, he's like, oh, oh, yawns and falls back into his grave. And you think, oh, he's going back to sleep forever and ever. Good for him. And then come to find out that the spell, uh, I've been, oh, I've been, I've been, I've been awake. Yes, you were woken up and never put back to sleep. Woken up, never put back to sleep. Right. Uh, so, so it was, it was intonated that maybe the spell that woke me up was never reversed. Poor guy. So, so even though even though the witches poof poof, you know, were uh, and that the spell over Binks was ended, but the spell over me was not. I guess was the idea. So, I here I thought I was going back to sleep and I got covered up and so th- for the next 29 years I've been lying there going, "Huh. It should kick in any minute now, I'm sure." <laughs> <laughs> so, when he wakes up, he's like, "Yeah, no." I'm still so so I, I think that's why Billy might be a tad more irritated in this film than the first even you know is that he's like he just wants peace so that's why another favorite scene of mine might be the very my, my finale scene when when I realize the spell has finally been broken and I start I start dissolving into the thin air just like the witches did and it's like oh at last and he can go go away and have have his peace well-deserved peace yeah. after a very very long battle <laughs> <laughs> now Hocus Pocus 2 is out, where would you like to see the Hocus Pocus universe go next? Would you like to see a third film? Would you like to see a Billy standalone film, a TV series, or do you have any idea where it might go? Decisions like this are way above my pay grade. I don't know. I'll uh, I'll let them come up with whatever ideas they have and, and uh, go along with it, I suppose. Kathy and Jimmy had a great idea of doing an animated Hocus Pocus, which I thought would be great. I would love to voice Billy for that. And let everybody wonder why my voice changed a third time. <laughs> I guess I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, but um, there's also, I think there's also a potential. There seemed to be a sense of finality with with the Sanderson sisters this time, and for Billy too. But if they do come back, it seems like they've set up the the three younger, uh, which is now the good the good ones, to maybe carry on in a in a, a legacy film that goes on from here perhaps i don't know uh, would they find a reason to bring billy back and for some reason that might be a nice tie-in with the, the with the original two movies i'm game for whatever they come up with if it makes sense you know we'll, we'll have a look at a script we'll always have a look at, at uh, what they're where they want to go with it but i'm game to i'm game to listen if, if, if someone has that idea we just released our recap episode where we kind of, we watched it a bunch. We wanted to soak it in and give our opinions. And we kind of just settle out of the same thing where we want more, but only if it's of the caliber where you and everyone will return happily. We don't want more Hocus Pocus just for it to be there, unfortunately. So um, right, right, we'll see what happens. But I have a feeling they're going to go prequel route. And I think we could loop some Billy in there. So keep your phone lines okay, open, Doug. Okay. My phone's on. My phone's on. Okay. <laughs> And so sticking with Billy, do you own any Billy merchandise? And if so, what's your favorite piece of Billy merch? There's so much Billy merch out there. There's so much. We're both wearing Billy shirts right now. Yeah. Will showed oh, off. Oh, I mean, oh, oh we... you are. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. We had to dress for the occasion. <laughs> I am about 11 Funko Pop characters now. 
So my Billy Funko <laughs> Pop character that has an exclusive with Spirit Halloween, that's kind of a favorite that I own personally. I also, it's not Billy merch, but I have a Billy piece that is like rather exclusive that I cherish. It is a sculpture. I, there were only three of them made. This is from Tony Gardner's shop from Alterian Studios. I believe what his lead sculptor at the time did, uh, this is back when the first movie was made, they uh, sculpted a bust of a life-size bust of Billy Butcherson. Kenny Ortega, I think, has one. Tony Gardner has one, and I have one. I think I think those are the only three, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. So knowing that you have something that there's only three of in the world is kind of like, yeah, kind of exciting. But I also, I love that new, and I'm going to be getting one, I believe. They're going to be sending me one, the Loungefly Billy Butcherson backpack and wallet. That's a fun one. I should get that in my mail when I get home from Toronto here, where I'm shooting Star Trek Discovery and what we do in the shadows and all that. Going back to the first and actually the second film, is there any props you've kept or is there any props that may have disappeared that you might know with the whereabouts of that you've no, you personally know what? like? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I ha- I, I'm not much of a collector of props because, it was, especially now in this day and age where prop, where the, the market for the sales market and the for movie memorabilia is so rampant and tight, they tend to keep tabs on all those props. So me personally, what I like to tend to take away it would be, you know, maybe one of my screen-worn prosthetic masks that has been once it's removed it's like ah i didn't keep any anything from hocus pocus 2 i now from hocus pocus 1 i took an entire face piece and uh, my billy glove hands now this is 100 years ago so (laughs) i didn't realize (laughs) it might be worth one day so i was invited to donate something and and gave give a little spiel and have a free lunch at planet hollywood in minneapolis so i thought you know i'm gonna give them my billy face what was I thinking? So anyway, so Planet Hollywood now has my original Billy face, and I don't. But but I got a free lunch out of it. <laughs> I don't think that was a fair trade, honey. <laughs> I He'd be worth a lot more now, I think, yeah. <laughs> and so your IMDb profile, Doug, has over 170 acting credits, which is just, you've been in everything. <laughs> Outside of everything you've worked on, if there was any project, past, present, or future, that you could play a role in, what would it be? Well, it's a, I'm going to give you two answers here. One is was already done. My bucket list character would have been a, a classic vampire named Nosferatu, uh, Count Orlock, yes. a.k.a. So I did get to play. Uh, he was on my bucket list for years and years. Again, he was played so beautifully by Max Schreck back in the 1922 silent film that kind of started off vampire films. So I didn't know if that would ever be possible. And then finally, director David Lee Fisher contacted me and said, do you want to do a Nosferatu redo? I had already done a film with him previously that was a remake of The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. So that was also a classic silent film from 1919 that we did with sound and dialogue, but new actors filmed on green screen plopped into the original movie backdrops. So we did the same system, uh, the same technology on Nosferatu. It's not out yet, but it is filmed and done. And um, so I'm very excited about that. So that like one character I wanted to play, that would be the one and I got to. So that was a dream come true. The other one would be not what you're thinking. And that would be uh, to play a dad of a grown woman in a Hallmark Christmas movie where I'm wearing a crisp, a sweater with reindeer on it and holding a cup of cocoa and giving her some life advice. Your mother would be so proud of you if she were still alive. You know, one of those things. 
we've talked about your love for Hallmark oh, films you know, before, you Doug. Know, yeah. I, it's coming for you. It is your Hallmark days are ahead of you. You're I here. am waiting to see you at Christmas cons and on the Hallmark channels starting having this fall. Well, this winter, I hope. I know. I, you and me both. I, I feel like it's finally time to see that wonderful face of yours. While you are, honestly, the Lon Chaney of our generation, oh. I want to see the Doug Jones face. It's time. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> Over the years, especially at cons and stuff, you are very um, active with the fans. Like You reply to people on Instagram. You will take pictures of everybody. Has there ever been a particular fan interaction that stood out the most? Mm. The fan interactions that stand out the most for me are are the ones that have an emotional attachment. And I've been left in tears several times after a fan interaction in person. Uh, They often involve being a part of someone's life that I wasn't aware of until now. Early on, many after Pan's Labyrinth had just come out in theaters, I was doing a convention in Amsterdam, and a young Dutch girl came shivering and shaking up to my table, terrified to talk to me. And so I sat on top of my table and I held her hands. I didn't have much of a line back then. So I, I had time. And I said, what's going on? And she told me this story about how her sister had been murdered about a year or two before, and that changed her life completely. She went through the guilt of why her, not me, and that she used to be an artist of all types. She was a singer, dancer, actress, painter, sculptor. She was just oozing with art. And that all was that all left her with the death of her sister, and it was Pan's Labyrinth that brought it all back again. And so she was. It was wow. the storyline of the fawn and the little girl and the connection they made, and something about that inspired her to want to come alive again. I was just like, oh, you know. And so she said she had done some digging to find out who I was. There was a website at the time that that is no more that had information about me on it, including my love for dolphins. So under her arm, she unrolled a canvas that is her first painting back as an artist again of these beautiful, like, four dolphins that were just, like, it was a gorgeous painting of dolphins that she gifted to me as her first piece of art that, that was inspired by Pan's Labyrinth, that was inspired by her will to live again. That kind of interaction is, uh, is I, I'm glad I didn't miss that, you know, I'm, so I'm, that's what I love doing about, about conventions is getting to be a part of those stories. And so there then again, so many times have I have been a part of you know people's lives where you know where something I've been in has been a shared experience with the family, and one of those family members is now passed on, and so I bring when they rewatch something I'm in, it's a happy memory of that lost loved one, and so when I hear about that at a convention where I'm holding hands with a fan going, "Oh my gosh, you know, I'm so honored to be a part of a story like that with you." That's beautiful. Wow. Another thing, too, on a happier note, I hear a lot of, you know, watching one of your movies was our first date, and they're standing there now married with a baby. You know, (laughs) that is also just, like, sweet and lovely. So, as a kid, I would watch Hocus Pocus, but it would always cover... uh, I'd usually have a pillow on my lap, and when Billy lost his head, it would terrify me, Mm. to the point where I actually had nightmares for quite a while about a headless man chasing me. (laughs) So then, growing up, the Pale Man, when you played the Pale Man from Pan's Labyrinth, he terrified me. And then, adding to that, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you also played the Gentleman, which also terrified me to the point where I slept by my bedroom window to watch my back door in case the pale men came down the garden gate to get me. <laughs> so, Doug, you've done a you've done a number on Will over the years. Oh my goodness! So, oh, I'm sorry, Will. Now, 
<laughs> well, I love all the characters now, and especially Billy. Billy is definitely my favourite. But it's got me wondering, is there any characters while you've been growing up that have scared you? Oh, yeah. First of all, I think that you just picked, uh, aside, Billy's never scared me, but I never freak myself out watching my own work until Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the Pale Man and Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> Those are the two that maybe kind of gave me the willies, like, oh, hell, what have I done? To... <laughs> but when I was a child, my one, the first horror movie that I remember seeing was on a Friday night local TV show in Indianapolis, Indiana, where I grew up. I was doing a sleepover on a Friday night. It was like a, a Friday night movie, you know, spooky movie show hosted by a local guy named Sammy Terry, and he dressed up like a ghoul, and ho, 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 welcome, kids. And he introduced, and I watched Boris Karloff in in the mummy and something about that left me feeling so chilled and so like disturbed that was my first time with the concept that a dead person could come back in whatever form and so this here was this mummy wanting you know to take a woman to take revenge to take whatever it's like oh so he wasn't happy about coming back uh, he wasn't he wasn't alive and happy to hug on us he was alive and to wreak some havoc and that that kind of scared me yes Fair enough. <laughs> in Hocus Pocus 2, when Billy's, it's just Billy's head and they're doing the spell, was that CGI or were you kind of in that, were you kind of right underneath that standard, just your head popping out? Like, how was that bit done? Right. I was really pleased with how that turned out as well, with my head just sitting on the edge of the, the uh, stone cauldron sort of thing in the forest. During filming, they did two passes of each scene. Uh, there was a, a, a artificial dummy head of me that looked exactly like Billy that was severed off at the neck, and they would rest that at the edge of the cauldron and film all the angles on that head. Then I would also was wearing a sweatsuit, you know, and had my, was makeup down to here, <laughs> and I would lean over into the exact same spot and deliver all of that same dialogue, all the of the reaction shots, everything, and they got that from every angle as well, the same angles. And in post production, they were able to marry together my moving face onto the the static head. I thought it was a brilliant, seamless job too. Cool. It's a little bit like how they did it with Binks in the first one with like a real yeah, character right. and they put like, the, yeah, oh, that's so, cool. That's really some cool updated kind of technology for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so we like to host a quick lightning round here, Doug. I'm just going to ask you a quick question about Hocus Pocus. And the first thing that pops into your mind, let me know. So who is your favorite Sanderson sister? Oh, Sarah. Uh-huh. I mean, like, right, because uh, she's the one I cheated on Bet with or uh, Winifred with. So. <laughs> Who is your favorite non-Sanderson Hocus Pocus character? Oh, uh, I think the bus driver. Oh, it might take me a few tries, but I think I can do it. You know, whatever. (laughs) Don will love to hear that. We will let him know. (laughs) Billy or Headless Billy? Oh, Billy. Yeah. I mean, Headless Billy is, is, is fun, but I think when he's all together, he's himself. Yeah. Who's the best sidekick, Max Dennison or Gilbert the Great? Oh, that's a, why are you doing this to me? That's so hard. <laughs> I love them both dearly. Oh, gosh. You well, can choose I, both. <laughs> I, well, can't I say both? But, I, but I, say, I, I probably spent more time with Gilbert. So, yeah, okay. Both of them, but maybe some Gilbert. I, uh, uh. <laughs> what is your favorite holiday aside from Halloween? Oh, Christmas! Any oh, I'm a, I'm a, we, we've talked about this. <laughs> yeah, Christmas starts in October for me. Yeah, I love that November first. The yeah. pumpkins switch to Christmas trees. Right, it is. <laughs> Since Halloween's done, it's yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite Halloween movie? 
Oh, well, aside from Hocus Pocus, at one and two, I kind of like, I, I'm, this is old school. I'm going to go back to bed knobs and broomsticks. Okay. Yeah. And we just Ooh. lost Angela Lansbury. God bless her soul. Yes. Mm. Yes. What an icon. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And what's your favorite Halloween candy? Oh, I would say uh, mini Snickers bars, maybe, because yeah, that's a, it's a full flavored. Mm. But I also, I'm a, <laughs> I, I love candy corn. Isn't that weird? Wow. I, uh, so many controversial. Oh, you're controversial, right? But I actually like it. Just a little, <laughs> little, 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 little sugar rush in one bite. Mm. It will do that. And last, this is going to be a tough one, Doug, but no. Hocus Pocus the original or Hocus Pocus 2? I have to pick one. We won't force you to pick one. This is like, again, can't I say both? <laughs> yes, you can. Well, you know, I, a Hocus Pocus 1 for its nostalgia and its history and its legacy, yes. Hocus Pocus 2 for, I got a little bit more screen time and a little bit more storyline. I like that part too. So, you know. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. And before we close up here, tell us about other projects you're working on. Hocus Pocus 2 just came out. You talked about the Nosferatu film you have coming. But what else is Doug Jones going to be on our TV screens with soon? Right. You've caught me at a time where I am so pleased and happy to have played a beloved zombie, a beloved vampire, and of a beloved alien. So all are going on at once now. Actually, two beloved vampires, aside from Nosferatu, also Baronafanas from What We Do in the Shadows. He's coming back for season five. I just just filmed an episode. And also Saru from Star Trek Discovery is back again. We're currently filming season five of Star Trek Discovery as well. And also, I did get to play a human again in a new anthology show called Destination Heaven. And I am in an episode called I Will Follow Him. It is a faith-based, family-friendly uh, streaming platform called PureFlix that is owned by Sony. And that'll be airing sometime, I think, in March. So be looking for Destination Heaven and that one episode where it's all my storyline. I get to play a human, a used car salesman, and you'll see what adventure I go on in that. We will definitely be tuning into that. And Doug, what do you have to say to fans of the Hocus Pocus franchise? We all just adore you. So please just, what do you have to say to all of the Hopo fans? To all of the Hocus Pocus fans over the years, I adore you right back. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be me. And if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have had a chance to make a sequel and to continue the story for you. Thank you for your loyalty and for your... I get I get internet hugs every day from all of the love I've been getting. Uh, yeah, thank you. It seems inadequate, but it's the two words that mean the most. Thank you. And internet hugs are great, but Will and I can both say that we've experienced a Doug Jones hug in real life and his huggles yeah. are the best, guys. So if you have a chance, Go out and see Dougie at a con and go out and say hi. He is one of the best, best, best people in the business. Aww. Yeah, definitely. No, Allie will give me some of Oh, 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 and a, oh. Mwah, mwah. <laughs> oh, we just love him. <laughs> Doug, we know you are a very busy man, so we much appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining yes. us, and you are officially an honorary member of the Black Flame Society. We much appreciate everything you've done for Hocus Pocus, everything you continue to do, and we are so excited to see what is next for you oh thank you so much for having me and finding me a worthy subject matter i love you both (laughs) you are time in toronto doug and i'm sure we'll chat soon thank you so much to doug for joining us for this amazing interview it was so awesome catching up doug and chatting with you we hope to have you back on the black flame society in the future and we can't wait to see what you do next for everyone else stay tuned the rest of october for a bunch more hocus pocus coming from the black flame society we have a fun episode coming next week which is going to be a halloween special with the black flame society where you can expect a bunch of spooky treats we're going to have a bonus episode on sunday october 30th which will be a very special interview 
So definitely stay around and we can't wait to share it all with you. We hope you all have enjoyed this episode and we'll talk soon. Bye everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Black Flame Society. To never miss an episode, follow along on Instagram at the Black Flame Society podcast, like and subscribe on your favorite streaming service, and join our mailing list to be the first to know what's coming next. Thank you for being part of the society. Until next time. The Black Flame Society podcast is not affiliated with Disney or any other related conglomerates yet. Feel free to change that. Give us a call.